Okay. All right. This Let's is it. it. We're officially starting. <laughs> Podcast number one. Podcast number one. Hello, world. Hello, How world. I hope you don't find my voice too annoying. That's the first thing I thought about when we decided to do this. Are <laughs> people just going to be like, fuck these people? Oh, are we going to swear? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so at this point, we don't have a name. Nope. We don't even have a really a good game plan as to exactly what we're going to do. Nope. But this is getting us over the first uh, hurdle. Right. Just so. start. Hit go. Mm-hmm. So on that list, name of the podcast should probably be the first topic. I wrote down Silent K, but I don't know if that's too cheesy. Silent K. That sounds like a podcast where nobody's talking. Or just not saying K's. (laughs) Okay, so that's our first thing we need to figure out. Or should we maybe introduce ourselves and turn off our phones? That. Rolling into the podcast, first thing that happens. Uh, Yeah, that's a big problem. And dead air. We don't want dead air either. Dead air. Dead air right here. (laughs) Okay, so podcast name number one. Or intros. I don't know if we should introduce. Or are we going to edit? Or we should not say that we're going to edit. So many questions. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess there's... If there's areas of things you don't like or dead space or whatever, you can edit it out, but... I don't think we should worry about doing that too much. Yep. As long as you keep it um, a, light t- a light touch, I suppose. For some reason, everybody feels the need to have really corny rock music. Yeah, we have, in our idealist list here, we have, um, where is it? Generic heavy alternative rock. Heavy distorted power chords. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Every podcast... Uh, there's only one I listen to that that doesn't have that. I think it's the Stuff You Should Know podcast, and they, yep, yep. um, yeah, they don't they don't do that. But every other one seems to. Yeah, I'd like to have a little intro, maybe some outro music sections. That'd be nice. I'm game with that. Um, but we don't necessarily have to have. Well, I d- we do need a little jingle, don't we? Something recognizable. I could, I could record a little. Yeah, we can just make it our own music, why not? Yeah, yeah, we should do that. Won't be too hard. What else is on our list? Intros. Should we introduce who we are? Um, like every time or just now? <laughs> no, now, I suppose, for the first for the first episode. Yeah, I guess so. well. Are we planning on having anyone actually listening to this one? Um, no, well, I mean, maybe. I suppose not. We can, yeah, let's skip that. If it, if it, if it becomes relevant who yeah. we are, then Let's do a go. couple more, and then we'll, uh, we'll get there. Yeah, because who the hell are we? <laughs> That's the point, though. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. All right, well, then, name of the podcast. Let's spitball that a little bit. Um... Something nonsensical, something 
from our past, I suppose. Mm. Or Yeah, it needs to be something relevant to both of us. Or it should be. Or not. Could be relevant to whatever topic that we end up settling on. Yeah, because I suppose I was thinking about it. We we do kind of need most most shows or whatever. Well, I guess there's all kinds of things, but you know, a lot of people do like a focus thing, right? There's a motorcycle podcast. There's a guitar podcast or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of about usually one thing. Or you have a radio show style thing, I guess, where you're right, right, talking about whatever. I mean, so Alex Jones style. What? While I was watching the Formula E today, um, you know those races happen what every couple weeks. Yep. So I mean, that's you can do things like that as they come up. Um, that's true. That's true. Comment on things as they come along. Right. Um, but Ooh, then an idea. have, um, okay, so I'm going to try to not draw too many parallels to JRE, but, um, they do the fight recap, right? Right. When those right. happen. So, you know, sporting events or motor sporting events specifically could be our version of that. So those happen every once in a while when there's a, yep. a big enough event that we should talk about. Um, but then there obviously needs to be the other, which is going to be the other 70%. Or whatever it is. We could also, um, maybe that's sort of the style we could do. Um, where uh, Something like that, where we have a scheduled recording date, right? Maybe every Saturday, whatever it is, every Saturday. Yeah. Um, and up to that date, we just identify things that we want to talk about. And you write notes down on what you want to say. You keep the list separate from each other. Mm-hmm. And then you bring that list to, and then we talk about it, you know, each topic in its, con, you know, contained. And then you move on to the next topic or whatever. And we kind of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I, the way that stays, we could at least try it. Yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. I'm literally thinking of this right now. I no, 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 no. I, I like it. Keep going. So, um, so yeah, you keep your list away from each other, but you know we are who we are. So we're going to be interested in a particular scope of things. Mm-hmm. So that all, and as long as we, we'll have to see how it goes. But we may have to be a little bit more focused in what we choose. But either way, you know, it won't stray too far from one topic to the next every every episode or whatever. You know, there will be. The consistency will be us. I yeah. Suppose. Well, and we can. Um, okay, so we would alternate who would start, right? Right. Definitely. And then yep. if you start with whatever motorcycles, yes, <laughs> yep. Easy example. We talk. I about probably that for... won't counter with my second topic being about you know endangered kangaroos in <laughs> Australia. It's too left field relative to motorcycles. Right. So. If you keep a list of topics, you know, that's ten topics long during the week, and then you hit four of them or three of them during, you know, the, the recording, that kind of know. kind of go together. They don't need to be, you know, directly related, but right gives the episode some kind of theme, at least. Yeah, 
and we also could obviously edit out or whatever, um, you know, whatever segments that we don't, we don't find particularly interesting after the fact or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also just in terms of terms of how I envision this working, you know, the one person comes prepared with the topic that they've chosen, therefore they're going to naturally know more about it. And that might provide the other person won't, but would maybe the sort of understated goal of getting the other person to comment on their views of what's, you know, cause the person bringing the topic up already knows so much about it. Right. Yeah. But we'll probably end up knowing similar spheres of, of knowledge, but well, yeah, I guess that's thinking too deep. We'll just have to see how it goes. Well, so, okay. So <laughs> what right. I was thinking so, of, um, about this race, yeah. um, I, so I watched the, um, so this is the 28, uh, well, 2018, 2017, what is They're it? They're calling it 2017-18 season, but most of it's <laughs> okay. taking place in 18, right? It's like <laughs> okay. two races take place in 17, and then the rest of the season is... 2018. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the 2017-2018 Formula E Championship. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I watched race one. Yeah, I watched race one as well. I didn't get to number two. I think number two happened today. It did, yeah, at somewhat. like 2 a.m. for us. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so anyway, real quick, so before yeah, before thoughts. we start uh, talking about the race itself, um, I was, while I was watching it, realizing I don't watch a lot of motorsports, so at this point in the game, I'm more interested in talking about the cars themselves, whereas you're probably more interested in the drivers and the teams and the actual racing itself, so... Uh, well, no. I mean, car racing, so I'm traditionally a motorcycle fan. Mm -hmm. And, um, no, the car racing itself, and especially the fact that they don't have, you know, gasoline engines, yeah. is it's very fascinating. And I yeah. wrote down some things about... I noted some things about the way... They moved, and yeah, just certain things stuff, you yeah. notice without an yeah. engine. Well, all I meant by that was that it. I think there will be a naturally decent dynamic between, at oh, least okay. with this topic. I, I meant yeah. that as as a positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> um. Yeah. So when I was watching, I think the first thing that even before the race started, that did you notice the introduction that they're doing? before the race starts kind of like a uh, cheesy theatrical like countdown to the start of the race did you no I might have actually skipped that part so <laughs> for me the the stream was struggling a little bit okay. so I I jumped maybe 10 15 minutes in gotcha and it was gotcha like, yeah so I missed a few things. yeah so the next time we'll see if it's a consistent thing but they had this theatrical shot of like all these race engineers in front of a panel of just random switches and then they count it down from five and um the, yeah it was like uh it was almost like the starting sequence you would expect in a movie about launching rockets like you know the drama that would go into firing the engines and then right letting the rocket right. go that's what it felt like and then they say go and then it's electric, so there was really not that much sound. <laughs> it's like build up to pretty silent. Nothing. 
Yeah, the sound. I suppose we should address the sound, right? That is the most That's one, significant. It's really interesting. It makes it very interesting to watch because, yeah, the cars are quiet. Um, and then, I don't know how the announcers compare to, I know they're quite a bit more docile than the motorcycle, uh, the MotoGP announcers. Yep. So it's like the whole watching experience is is more relaxed. <laughs> it's more more relaxed for sure. Um, and without the engine sound, you hear uh, some some things you don't otherwise hear, like I, the tire screeching. The tires screeching, the the cars crashing, <laughs> <laughs> which they did. Which they did. Of. Yeah. Yeah, they wrecked a few of them. And it, it's really interesting to watch the cars go over the curbs because they look like they they look like giant rc cars like they're super light and they just kind of like bounce around over the curbs and i don't know the dynamics of the cars were very interesting overall would you expect the car with an electric engine versus a i suppose it would have to be lighter because there's no well the batteries weigh a lot batteries weigh a lot but um they're actually, I don't believe the batteries are all that big in these. So they don't have to go very far. Yeah, they don't have, and so right now they're splitting it, right? They do two cars per race. Mm-hmm. So they only need, it's 43 laps, so they've got, um, let's just say, 22 um, laps <laughs> worth of battery charge. I'm sure they're pretty accurately calibrated to the distance they need to go. Yep, and they're constantly monitoring that energy level each mm-hmm. lap. So, yeah, I'm not sure the exact size of the batteries, but they're not that huge. Like, compared to a uh, Tesla battery or something, they're much smaller. Yeah, so would you expect the the electro ones to be lighter? That sounds like you would. Um. I suppose also the rules and regulations make it massive. Yeah, it's really hard to say. I don't know too much about the Formula One cars. Um, generally speaking, just cars in general, an electric vehicle to its comparable um, gasoline-powered car is going to be heavier. Right. Just pretty much do that battery. Um, so in that regard, I would expect them to be heavier, but... How much does a uh, Formula One car weigh? Do you know? I do not. Um... Pull that shit up, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, it. Because uh, I think the Formula much. the Formula E cars I was looking, I I believe they're just a hair over two thousand pounds. Oh, okay, Formula One cars uh, sixteen hundred pounds. Wow. Okay, so these are heavier. Goodness, that is light. 728 kilograms for our potential European listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're out there. Um, they just don't know it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're coming for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, still, the, the lack of sound um, and the tire screeching, I definitely found a lot of enjoyment listening to, to, to you know, you had to find something to replace the engine noise, right? Yeah. And there are definitely things there. But it is, as you said, a much different view. I mean, it's kind of cool that you, I think in Formula One, you really don't get the tire squealing, the, no, you don't the, hear any the bumping all into the walls. The it's all in. Yeah. So, and I'd rather have it be the way it is, um, 
than them trying to enhance or add fake sounds or yeah. anything like that. That would be lame. Yeah. Yeah. That would be lame. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one point in the race, uh, we can cover who, who won and all that too, but, uh, one gentleman spun out and coming out of one of the hairpins and, um, or well, no, he didn't spin out. It looks like his car just died. And so mm-hmm. he's fiddling with it for a second and yeah. he gets it going and it looks like it sort of snapped into life or he was on the throttle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Dude, the, uh, the G forces that slammed him yeah. into the seat cause we, they where the camera angle was. Yeah. These things have a lot of punch. Yeah, I think they're making equivalent to like 250 horsepower, something like that. Uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's really the torque that right. they're which feeling. an electric engine versus a gasoline-powered engine. Oh, it's totally different. It's almost totally instantaneous. Different. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a couple times where you could see them power slide those cars, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that was pretty I imagine- cool. I was thinking about, um, so electronics and traction control and all that, right, are uh, big in motorcycle racing and car racing. Mm-hmm. And controlling a electric engine with, you know, with uh, a traction control system must be so much easier than an electric, I'm sorry, a gasoline one. Um, I would imagine, I mean, because you have, at least in my head, you have... Uh, so much more control over yeah you have quicker control and um yeah i would i would probably agree with that um you have less the nature of the nature of trying to control an explosion essentially yeah trying to control well and there's other ways to do it too i mean you can use the brakes to control as well or um not necessarily on a motorcycle, but just in general. I was just going to say, do they do that in cars? Is that how that one way that works? In motorcycles, you would never do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, they'll use the brakes. Um, a lot of the times they'll market that as torque vectoring. So um, the Ford Focus RS has torque vectoring, um, and it does it by modulating the brakes. So say you're making a right turn. Um, it will grab the brake on the right, on the inside wheel of the rear to kind of act as a pivot point. Mm-hmm. If you think about it that way. Um, right, right. So that's, that's a form of traction control, right? Um, sure if your wheel is slipping in due to snow or something, you would cut the power or you could technically grab the brake. Um, cutting the power is probably more effective in a slipping situation, but, um, yeah, less yeah. less stress on the wheel, right? When you're in that situation, if you're slipping, the wheel's already. Yeah, uh, you might. I mean, because the issue when you have low traction and you start to slip, you're putting too much demand because of too much power through that um, that rear wheel. So why grab the brake when you can just cut the power? Right. Go to the source. Yep. Exactly. True torque vectoring, though, in um, a non-marketing sense, real torque vectoring would be applying more power to the outside wheel to go faster around the turn, as opposed to grabbing mm. the brake of the inside one, because which one sounds faster to you? <laughs> <laughs> Very well stated. Yeah. yeah. So if you had a car that had four motors, one for each wheel, then you can, you can oh, get all crap. sorts of fancy with that. 
slow the inside one down and accelerate the outside one. Why not? So, Howard, do you know how the Formula E ones are configured? Are they configured like you would imagine a, a, a traditional car, but just with an electric engine instead of a... Well, so I did... I really searched and tried to find information on these cars, and so what I understand is that this is the fourth season. Um, yep. All the cars up to this point have been... I forget the name of the company. They're basically all designed the chassis by this this one company and for the first season all the cars were identical down to the motors that were designed by McLaren the batteries um, basically the teams coming into this were just given the car uh, they paid for it but whatever you know what I mean the yeah cars spec were all car. the same spec everything yeah, yeah. Um, and I believe now you know from season two and on more they were little more freedom so I think they have the option to choose to run either a single motor or a dual, dual motor setup um, but you're gonna get the same power restriction regardless of whether you choose two or a single motor so that's that's really a weight and torque vectoring decision to be made right there not power um, batteries I think are the same the chassis are still the same between all the the team. So really, I think what you're you're getting is um, the difference in motors, aerodynamics, um, but a lot of it is definitely still spec. Which is interesting because today's race, well, I suppose race one, so race one and two both took place in Hong Kong right. uh, this weekend. But race one is the one we both watched, and mm -hmm. Sam Bird is the guy that won it. Yeah, he was killing people like. He was six tenths a lap faster yeah. than most people, which in my world, uh, motorcycle racing and Formula One too, I would imagine, um, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he so he was so much faster that will go. Oh, I was gonna say, I think maybe one area where these teams really have the option or the Ability. yeah the option to to pull ahead is with the control and calibration of these cars. They might Everything have from how they're how utilizing the battery energy to the mapping of the motors. Um, there's, you know, it, they could do it differently, and one team could be more efficient at extracting the power of that battery and putting it to the ground than the next team, even though they're the same systems. It comes down to the, the controls that they're using to right. do it. Um, he but was it, so much fat. Yeah, he was so much faster than the rest of the field that he survived a drive-through penalty. I don't right. know if you saw him yeah. in the pit lane. Yeah, he, he hit that uh, guy. He <laughs> <yeah. laughs> sure did. Yeah, he hit that guy. Uh, <laughs> so the, the pit lane was really dusty. Yeah, that's what, that's what everybody was saying. So he, he's coming in for his stop to try and, what I imagine was get his second car. Yes. Um, and he hit the brakes and did not stop and hit, uh, hit a different team's mechanic or something it looked like yeah and some of their stuff so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't good so he hops in his second car and a couple of laps later has to do a drive-through penalty and still ends right up. and i believe i caught that it was a nine second penalty that he survived i believe that is the case yeah, yeah. it took him nine seconds to get through the pit lane which seems yeah. fast well um, i 
I don't know. Did they say, okay, your penalty is nine seconds, or is the penalty that you have to go into the pit and do something and then pull back out? My, so I thought it was a so they called it a drive-through. And in my world, a drive-through is however long it takes to go sixty kilometers an hour down the pit lane. Got it. From from one line of the pit lane to the from the entrance line to the exit line, you got to go sixty kilometers right, right. an hour. So however long that is, 20 seconds, 25, whatever, um, is your penalty. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was the case. It only took them nine seconds to get through, which would be crazy fast. I mean, there really are, there's only so many drivers and teams. That's true. How deep was the field? I thought it looked like 20 or so drivers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what the the setup is of the pit. Yeah. No idea. So yeah, Sam Bird won, which um, I hadn't heard of him before, but um, second place in the guy who set the fast uh, pole in qualifying was Jean-Eric Vert, and he is a Formula One driver, or was, I should say. What's his name? Jean-Eric Vern. Okay, yeah, he- so he's with Tech Cheetah. Tech Cheetah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the manufacturers of... The or yeah, I suppose one of the newer manufacturers, I suppose, uh, Mahindra. Yeah, they're a, an Indian team. They also supply the most lightweight uh, MotoGP bikes. Sorry, they're called Moto3 bikes. They're uh, 250cc four-stroke. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. But the little guys, and so yeah, they have a they have a team in there, or they did actually. This might have been their last year. They they weren't doing so well, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So oh, they aluminum twin spar frame. I have um, the Formula E app open right now. So okay. I'm, I'm looking as we're talking about these teams and drivers. Uh, I guess Mahindra's been here since the beginning, so this will be their oh, fourth season. Um, I know there are some new teams. Um, I think Audi's been in it since the second season, maybe. believe or they were a late entrance or something um but yeah so and they're i caught at the beginning of the race they said there are five rookie drivers this year nice which i thought was pretty cool they gotta be a blast to drive oh yeah i gotta imagine everybody says that if you can about the electric motorcycles um if you can get over the lack of sound Mm -hmm. the power delivery characteristics are just absurdly nice to use Um, yeah, man, that instant torque, it's, have you ever had the chance to ride in an electric car or hybrid or anything? No. I haven't gotten to drive a full electric vehicle yet. I'm sure it'll happen sooner rather than later. I've only driven, um, a couple hybrids. The last one I drove was a Lincoln MKZ hybrid. Um, so it's not exactly representative of this, but still, when you step on the gas and the you have enough battery charge for the electric assist, you you feel a difference, for sure. It's very... You just go back in your seat, and it's an instant feeling. It's pretty cool. Although I have ridden in a Tesla Model S before. That was, that was pretty badass. And this was... Did you a, ever get to... This was a couple years ago when they were, you know, 
the battery was only 60 kilowatts or something like that. So there's no right. ludicrous mode or anything ridiculous like that. <laughs> I thought I heard on the, the race feed, um, one guy say that they had 28 kilowatts. I mean, your, your, your total kilowatts doesn't, isn't necessarily restrictive of the way you use the power in the sense that you can burn a lot of it really quickly to go very mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's right. I, I, but yeah, I thought I heard him say 28. Mm-hmm. And I, so I know they have more power for the qualifying. They have what's equivalent to like 280 horsepower or something for um, qualifying, and then they drop it down to like 250 for the race or something. I'm not sure. Is that well, and ma- also I did I did catch a little bit of qualifying in the one part I did see the guy was describing how on the on the initial outing lap. Um, the cars are restricted in their horsepower, and then it sounds like so maybe they're in race mode, and then yeah, as you say, their their first flying lap, um, all of a sudden the motor's allowed to tap into its full potential and, and go however much quicker. Right, right. Which I thought was just interesting. The you know again just shows just how much control you have over these kinds of engines. You mm-hmm. just literally flip switch and it's like okay now you have <laughs> you 280 have horses. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, for the next, I guess next season, season five, it'll be. It's gonna be like pretty dramatically different. They're gonna redesign the cars. Um, and I think the biggest difference is that um, it's gonna be a one car race. You don't switch cars anymore. Oh, nice. So the the car has to last. I don't know if that means the races are going to be shorter. I hope not, because it was still only like an hour. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, car, though, the cars the, are going to have the, to be... The length of the race, I mean, um, there's a there's a deep-seated rivalry between MotoGP and F1, <laughs> but our the MotoGP motorcycle races are, you know, 40, 46 minutes. Right. Um, I forget the the average mileage, but anyway, whereas an F one race is what two two and a half hours, yeah, like pretty that? long. <laughs> <laughs> Which for me is is too much. So you know, an hour long race that's that's pretty that's a good sweet spot for me. Because you know, because when it's too long, in my opinion, the some of the Formula One races, some of the strategy is just we have this time we need to fill. So don't pass anybody. Don't. Don't go too fast, but don't go too slow, but don't pass anybody. Just mm-hmm. sit there and, and waste 10 laps while we wait for shit to happen. Yeah, it sounds a little ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with an hour, and especially two cars, it sounds like, you know, energy's at a at a premium. Yeah. Or, or maybe a de- deficit is the right way to put it, where you've got only so much and you've got to make it, and so you've got places where you've got to push. and. Yeah, you got to... Um... Take the opportunities when they come, I guess. Right, right. Not just sit there and lap after lap sitting behind somebody. So the other thing that kind of instantly jumped out at me, and pretty much because that first chicane just sent the whole race <laughs> down a rabbit hole in the beginning there. It's yeah, so well, uh, we should say, before you go, we should say they were on a, uh, a road course for, yeah. as, as opposed to a sort of dedicated racetrack. So, and I believe they're all that way. Oh, they're all. I believe work. that's okay. that's Formula E's little thing. niche thing is because you know electric vehicles are primarily an urban thing, 
So I believe okay. they're trying to, to make that connection by doing these races in the city. Also, I suppose the tighter, narrower tracks do make the cars themselves appear more dramatic as mm -hmm. opposed to if they were on some large track like uh, some of the ones in Spain where you've got like a 40-foot wide course. And right. Huge gravel traps where a two a car going two hundred miles an hour looks quite impressive, but sure. And these cars aren't capable of those speeds, so no. you need them. You need the tracks to at least be, you know, the straightaways to not be too crazy. But I did think it was a little narrow. It seemed a little too narrow. It seemed a little narrow. That's what I, that's originally my point, or what I was gonna. It, it was that first corner was certainly chaos, uh, but the whole thing was. <laughs> The whole thing was nutty. There is one point on the, the restart where pretty couple laps in, just like this one guy got up the inside of this other guy, and it was so tight in, the hair, in this hairpin they were going through that even though the guy getting overtaken, well, ultimately he didn't get overtaken, I suppose, but he was on the outside and giving room, the guy on the inside just like his nose just pushed into the outside guy's yeah, uh, side of his car for like a whole corner. Right. It was, it was an odd overtake, to say the least, and part of it seemed to be the result of how narrow the narrow the track was. Right. It kind of seems like these cars might be a little more durable than an F one car. It. I. I got that impression from that from that pass. They were. <laughs> the guy, they were the really. Guy, the guy threw it into the side of them. Yeah, and I'm watching these guys like hop these curbs and stuff, and they seem pretty robust. Want those batteries blown up? <laughs> I'm looking at the the rest of the driver list because there was another Formula One driver in here. I'm pretty sure. Nico Prost. I wonder if he's related to Prost from F1, the retired champion. Um. Oh, I something Kobayashi. Kumi Kobayashi. Um, Kobayashi. What team? That was him. Uh, MS and AD, Andretti, Andretti. Formula E. Um, yes. Yep. He was an F1 driver as well. Oh, interesting. Kobayashi, yeah. Yeah, I think he was a long-time driver, too. Like, he, he was in it for a long time. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the list here as well, just, like, trying to... Nick Heidfield was also... Heidfeld. Oh, his name... Yep. His name was getting tossed around a lot. I'm just trying to yeah, familiar, familiarize myself with some of these drivers because, you know, watching for the first time, you're like, I don't know who, who that is. So, so there's 20 drivers. I believe in Nick Heifeld racing for Nick. Um, he has a Formula 1 career. Well, if I'm not... Okay. In his second season, he switched to Sauber, where he partnered with Kimi Raikkonen, following stints at both Williams F1 and the rebranded BMW Sauber team. Hmm. I feel became a regular podium finisher while scoring a total of 259 points. He was pissed at the uh, end of the race. Yeah, he was. Let's talk about that. He was salty. He was quite upset. <laughs> so he felt that he was wronged by somebody else who should have given him space? I believe second place man. Yeah. Uh, What's his name? Jean Eric. Yeah. Uh, it sounded like Jean Eric didn't. Um, he defended too many times. So in right. Formula in car racing, or Formula One for sure, but also in Formula E, and probably the rest of the Formula Championships, I would guess, because they're all under the same umbrella. Um, 
I don't know exactly. Maybe another rule. Jump. Uh, you can basically you can swing your car from one side to the other of the track, usually towards the outside. You could do that one time, mm-hmm. and once you do that, you've spent your maneuver. Oh. Uh, and from there, you have to hold your line through the corner, whichever line you've swung into. Really? Basically. Yeah, you have to hold it, and if the guy behind you can go faster than you on some other line that isn't your chosen line because you were the guy ahead. Um, so, yeah, you've got two cars, one in front, one behind, coming up to a corner, let's say, on a back straightaway, coming mm-hmm. into a hairpin. Both cars are maybe towards the towards the inside of the, of the upcoming corner. The lead car can swing one way or the other, usually towards the outside because that's generally the faster way. Um, and, yeah, once he makes his, his swing or his maneuver – that's his defensive maneuver, and then from that point forward, the uh, overtaking car, if they can make the overtake, they can mm-hmm. make the overtake. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I guess that... And so <laughs> that's what he was mad about. Yeah. So they could have given um, John Eric a Jean. 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 Dash Eric a... Um, penalty right but they decide not to or i believe that's the case yeah um i guess it all came down to whether or not the fim officials who are the you know the governing body if you will yeah right if they felt that his saltiness was warranted because <laughs> <laughs> he was uh the the interviewer said i don't think i've ever seen you this bad yeah yeah i remember that yeah <laughs> And I like how when they interviewed um, Sam Bird, he was the first thing he said was that pit was dusty <laughs> before he even talked about winning. Yeah, he did. Um, he did slam into another team stuff. Yep. So <laughs> then he kept saying how stressful the race was. He did not sound like he had a fun time. No, actually, I don't think he in did. Oh, and then before they, uh, I don't, who was the third guy they interviewed there at the end? There was, was it Nick on the, him and, uh, I don't know. There were two guys sitting on the wall, Nick and somebody else. I might've stopped it at this point. Okay. Either way, he, (laughs) this, this other guy that I can't remember who it was. He basically was like, I had no idea what was happening that race. It was very crazy. And that was it. Oh, he, no, I'm sorry. I did hear this. Yeah, yes. he admitted that he was like, I don't really know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he didn't know exactly what place he finished. <laughs> it just sounds kind of like chaos out there. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, very entertaining, though. Yeah. I mean, it's cool because this is literally the fourth season of this entire thing. How many seasons of Formula 1 have there been? Many. Uh, goodness. 80, 90, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is the future, too. Right. Unfortunately, as much to our dismay, first they will leave the public roads, but eventually gasoline engines are going to be no more. Yeah, I mean, it has to be that way, right? Yeah. It'll be a sad, sad time. I don't know if I hope to... Li- Until somebody... Unless somebody can come up with... Uh some sustainable synthetic fuel to keep just some older cars be... running. Oh, man. I didn't even think of that. So basically you come up with a gasoline alternative that 
literally has no negative, you know, environmental downside. Yeah, I mean, even if it does have a little bit of a negative effect um, or, you know, byproduct, it's going to become like horse riding. There's going to be so few people taking these cars out on tracks that, you know, that amount of uh, carbon emissions probably isn't going to be a big deal. Um, the earth can yeah. handle some. <laughs> That's true. And, and I, I'd like to think too, that even once, um, all the gasoline engines are off the public roads, that's probably, hopefully that'll be enough. And, you know, gasoline engines mm-hmm. will survive for quite a long time on the, I would be happy to operate in that way. Have, uh, track only. Yeah. Or just like, you know, only a specialty vehicle for um, that's powered by you know combustion, right? For like rock crawling. I would drive a electric vehicle to work and you know around town during the week. No problem. No problem. That sounds fun, actually. But Although, yeah, I'm not willing to give up my Forerunner either. Yeah, but here's the here's an issue. Uh, without that synthetic fuel, once all the gasoline cars are off the public roads, the cost to produce oil just, I'm sorry, to refine gasoline, essentially, the entire process from pulling it out of the ground to, you know, refining it, all that, just became less profitable. Oh, yeah. Therefore, more expensive for the people who still want it. Yep. And no doubt. you got to wonder, you got to wonder what a gallon of gasoline <laughs> into that four-wheeler is going to cost. Oh, God. So I can tell you right now, race fuel for, um, I don't use race fuel, but that I would put into my motorcycle. Um, that's roughly one of those, I think it's something like $20 a gallon. Jesus. How much was that nitro fuel for the, uh, <laughs> Oh <laughs> so man. How the, much was the nitro that fuel stuff? For the RC cars. Yeah. Um, I want to like say I want to say twenty five bucks a gallon for the Traxxas stuff, which you know Traxxas charges more for everything. Um, pro- yeah, probably twenty bucks a gallon. Bit of a uh, digression, but um, you know one of the reasons we're doing this is to escape the the monotony of the desk life and to hopefully work for ourselves one day, right? Mm-hmm. So the guy at the end of the street where I live who runs that uh, hobby shop, he recently, I guess in a sense, downsized, but I haven't, he used to have a 2016, 17 Corvette, a white one with black wheels. The thing was just gorgeous. Yeah. And now he has a white with black wheels Camaro. Ah, interesting. So I guess that's kind of a downsize, but uh, I haven't seen the Corvette in months, but I've seen the Camaro a bunch. What? But the point Trim is, level. is he's, he's killing it. Uh, the Corvette looked decked the hell out. Like, yeah? Yeah. It, Did it have a like, wing on it? Know. Yes. Yeah, so that was a Z06, probably. Yeah, it was, and it sat, dude, this thing. I heard it a few times. Just absolutely mean. Oh, so it's so possible he went with a, uh, <laughs> how how mean does the Camaro look? Or does it look pretty subdued? Less mean. Yeah. It's, Yeah. Yeah, so maybe um, you did. I'll, I'll, I can take a look. I'll look at it a little harder. Yeah, <laughs> I was just sad. I was mostly sad to see the Corvette because that was that was a mean car. But the point is, is that he runs this. You know, he's got a hobby store that sells you know Traxxas type things like that. You know, yeah, 
RC cars and boats and planes and all that. Um, looks like RC helicopters in particular are probably one of his bigger businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I'm so tempted to get back into it. And he's killing it, dude. I mean, he. <laughs> I mean, that Corvette was not cheap, and nope. maybe he ran into some money issues, but he's certainly doing okay because the rest of the fleet, you know, he's got he's got uh, a company vehicle or whatever. It's a nice. Um, it's a nice truck. I think it's a Ford F two fifty or something like that. So it's not cheap either. Yeah, but you get to put that on uh, the company's dime, right? Yeah, the truck you do. That's for sure. So yeah, Formula E, the future, electric engines. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this season. I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I think watch we it. can keep up with it. Absolutely. That website eventually worked. Yeah, I was able to get stream number two to work. Yeah, that's what the first one didn't work for me, and then that one did. So, so the electric motorcycle racing, where that sort of uh, had its first toe into the into the waters, is quite an interesting story, in my opinion. So, the Isle of Man TT. I don't know if you know what that race is, but uh, for those who don't, it's um, it's. This well, the Isle of Man, which is an island off the coast of England, I believe, and um, I can find out. I'm pretty sure that's where it is. And they closed down this 27, I'm sorry, uh, 37 mile course that goes around the island through multiple towns, up, up into the sort of the hill mountain areas, quite high up, and then back down in. So you can imagine it's sort of got a, a lower couple of towns and then they go up through the mountains they come back down mm-hmm. but it's 37 miles long it's, it takes uh it's a long time is it almost the full uh perimeter of this island no not quite um but it's a significant portion of the yeah. island that's for sure okay so i'm looking at it very, now and yeah it's off the coast yeah and it's so it's um it's a very old race and it's um it's it's a road race where most almost all other motorcycle races take place on dedicated tracks. So it's very dangerous because there's no safety in the mm. sense that all the light poles, all the old English walls, you know, all the stone walls, walls all of that, they're, they're, I mean, they are ripping past these things at 200 miles an hour, one foot, six inches sometimes from death. <laughs> and which and, happens a lot. Which happens every year, actually, almost every year. Mm-hmm. It averages every year for sure, one death a year, but not all. It doesn't always actually happen every year. Um. So this race has has sort of become its own thing because nobody else wants no actual racing series wants to deal with it because it's so dangerous. Right. So it's kind of taken on a it's its own event pretty much, uh, but they still do it and people still race it and it's crazy. It's super fun to watch. So. Interestingly enough, out of all the places, this is where they started the, uh, they call it the TT Zero. And so that's where electric motorcycles started to take off. And for the first couple of years, you had a lot of cool private efforts. And then uh, Honda Mugen showed up and just wiped the floor with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Spent a ton of money. They had, the, it was, yeah, it wasn't even close. Hmm. But. That was that all started. Uh, twenty ten was the first race, so I think Hunt oh. Mugen didn't show up until like twenty thirteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, they're getting electric motorcycles. I think are actually 
quite a lot farther ahead. Like you can go buy an electric, oh, yeah. fully electric production motorcycle right now. Definitely. And ride one. So they're they're quite a bit further ahead, I think, overall than uh, than the cars. Which well, you can sense. go buy. Well, there's a lot. There's plenty of well, but, well, not plenty. That's a lie. There are a couple <laughs> options for uh, electric vehicles that I could go buy right yeah. now. In theory, that's true. That's true. Um, I suppose I was just thinking for the sense that the motorcycle there's a lot less going on. Yeah, yeah. Any basic needs go point from A to B. Hell, a lot less drama down. surrounding it. That's for damn sure. Yep, a lot less regulation too. Yeah. Yeah, the electric, electric car game cars, is crazy. Electric cars still have to survive being flipped over on their heads and supporting oh, yeah. three times their weight and all For that. For sure. Right? Yep, yep. But yeah, so the TT Zero, it's pretty cool. Um, very. Also, the sound thing is very entertaining. Yeah, same thing, right? <laughs> same, same issue there. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's entertaining and. Uh, Especially when you you know motorcycles, they they make a ton of noise. Mm-hmm. So when you play footage of the of the normal motorcycles, then going by you, and then then you play the next footage of the zeros going by, it's pretty comical. What are the top speeds on some of these bikes? Um. Well, so top speed, raw top speed. Um. I'll have to I'll do some searching real quick, but uh, the the average lap time. I'm sorry, the average lap speed. So over the thirty-seven point seven miles, yeah, the electric bikes are averaging nowadays uh, one hundred and twenty miles per hour average, which is pretty fucking fast. <laughs> yes. Um, versus the gasoline bikes on the same lap, they average one hundred and what? Wow, one hundred and thirty-three miles an hour. Wow. Boy, they've caught up. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really impressive from the electric bikes to be only, uh, what is that, eleven miles an hour per, av- you know, average, obviously, slower. But top speeds of these electric bikes. Let me see if I can't uh, pull that up. Where is Honda Yukon? What kind of range can I expect out of an electric motorcycle if I was to just go buy one from whoever's making them now? Um, not as far as I think, you know, they, they definitely struggle with, with the range as well because you'd have that much less space for battery. Sure. Um, are we talking a hundred miles or are we still at like 50? I think we're talking like 150. Okay. Who wants to go more than 150 miles at a time on a motorcycle anyway? Um, a certain group, but, uh, I'm pulling up zero motorcycles, which is one of their, uh, yeah, I've I've heard of them. Yeah, that's one of the ones you could you could go out and um, type in that zero range. Oh, way off <laughs> city city range of two hundred and twenty three. Woohoo! All right, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sounds obvious, but smaller space for battery, but. A smaller vehicle to move it. Way, so way less demand. It's yep. all relative. So yeah, that sounds about right. Now that's and, a city range, so that's not that's not cruising down the highway. Yeah, for at sure. A relatively high yeah. speed. That's that's cruising around at thirty it's, miles an hour. It's kind of interesting how 
that's now reversed with electric vehicles. It's, it used to be the highway <laughs> range was so much better, but now it's the opposite because of aero. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Same with cars. Yeah, they don't actually even tell you. Um, they tell you the kilo kilowatts and the kilowatt hours you can expect. Um, but they don't tell you what the highway mileage would be. They only advertise the 223 city miles. Oh, interesting. Um, I couldn't find... Where's... Take a quick... Could have sworn I saw... Yeah, so this is uh, this is something where it would be nice if we could both see if we're gonna keep doing this remote, which for now we have uh, to. Yeah. Yep. We need to yep. both be able to see what each other's looking at. I think we could. Should be able to make that happen with some sort of uh, screen sharing. Or so we're coming up on uh, we're coming up on an hour. We're at fifty three minutes right now. Yep. It's actually easier to. To it's super fan. easy to just rip through an hour. Yep. Crazy easy. Um, I was trying to find the zero electric motorcycle top speed. Peak power, 70 horsepower. Oh, horsepower, okay. That's peak. Mm -hmm. uh, top speed, 102. Top speed, sustained. So max, 102. Sustained, 95. Interesting. So that means if you're cruising along at seventy, you're you are pretty decently up there in the sort of imagine if there was a red line for a <laughs> yeah you're getting you're you're running you're running hot at seventy right. holding it. Um, what was I going to ask? In fact, with its top speed being one hundred and two, you're basically running at just shy of seventy percent at that point, which. Now, are is, are they using a gearbox or is it just direct drive? Direct drive. Yeah. Okay. Most of them are. Um, yeah, the whole gearbox with an electric motor thing is interesting. So, me, interesting. actually, that's a good question for you. Am I? That's you know one of the things that makes driving and riding so enjoyable is your communication with the machine, right? Mm -hmm. And one of those major connections to the machine, the ways you communicate, is shifting. Am I going to have to have simulated Shifting is that? Eh. Is that um, where that's eventually? Is that because? Well, actually, maybe the question: Does an electric motor totally eliminate the practical need for shifting? Kind of, like, because the the RPMs on an electric motor can go so high, and the torque band is generally pretty wide that you just. You know, and you get all that torque down low. So you do have a gear reduction. It's not like the motor shaft is connected to the wheel. Right, right. Directly. They're not glued together, but <laughs> um so you have a reduction of course. But yeah, generally the, the RPM capability of these motors is so high that you really don't need a gearbox. Now at most you would need two, maybe. Yeah, you could do like a two speed or a three speed or something, um, if you really want to go freaking fast. And that's 
totally possible, and you can do it. Um, going back to the Formula E, it's an option, actually, to have a, a gearbox or not. Um, and I believe some teams go with, some teams try it, some teams don't. So I forgot to mention that earlier, but... Um, yeah, that's a something to consider. But yeah, so most of these electric cars um, running around right now don't have any sort of speeds or anything. It's just fixed gear. So yeah, and you can't even you can't even simulate gear shifting like you can in a, a CVT because you can't just if you drop the RPMs of the motor, you're going slower now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So you, the only gear you're going to be changing is sort of the receiving gear. What do you mean by that? Well, actually, I guess that's the way. Uh, you have sort of the set of gears coming out from that's directly attached to the camshaft. I'm sorry. You have the drive shaft coming out of the engine, right? Mm -hmm. Which is going to have a number of gears on it, whatever, however it's configured. And then you're going to have some sort of set of gears on a different shaft that's receiving it. Yeah, yeah. Um, receiving the energy, I suppose. Um, but that's exactly how a traditional engine works. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, as far as so shifting gears, I mean, that's you could totally do it. You could have an electric motor that um, has a six-speed gearbox. That has a six-speed gearbox. But you electronically make it feel somewhat like a what you remember. I mean, you could even. Trying to think how you could hook up a manual transmission to one of these. Um, yeah, you could do it, but matching the RPMs of the electric motor. Yeah, it would be weird. It would just be weird. And if you think about it, it's not like you. You need a clutch, right? At least when you're stopping, because when That's you come it, to a stop, that was my next, that was the, my next yeah, question. The engine's or the motor rather is just not spinning, so you just. You could leave it in first gear all the time. You don't need. So there really, really is truly no need. No, it's it's weight and complexity, and in an electric vehicle where battery range is so critical, it's just um, it doesn't exactly it doesn't make the cut. <laughs> that is sad to hear. I actually I'm actually more sad about that than the sound. The sound you actually get over pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they have their own sound. Yeah, it's not as good, but the but the, the, the lack of shifting that that will yeah that will be sad. I suppose we've already got a taste of that though with automatic transmissions. It's not like you. Yeah, and those took over pretty quickly. Yeah, well, the general that's true. The general public is gonna love no shifting, <laughs> and they already they already do. It's, it's the enthusiasts that will right that will suffer. That being said, right now is a crazy interesting time if you're in the market for like performance vehicles because goddamn there are some awesome options. Kia, for instance, is even making a rear-wheel drive car that's sporty and, and fun and has a lot of power. Like What is theirs called? The Stinger. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, and at, at, at the same time we have the Chevy Bolt coming out, the electric vehicle for the people. You go thirty miles up the road, and FCA is putting out an eight hundred and fifty horsepower Challenger. 
um, what, FCA or F, what was it? FCA, yeah, Fiat Chrysler yes. Automobiles. Oh, okay, okay. And what's the, what's the new Challenger called? The Demon. Challenger Demon. Comes with two different keys, one go fast key and one... Dude, it comes with two different ECUs. Yeah, you have to, if you want the full power in drag mode, you have to take out the street ECU and put in the drag oh, ECU. Physically. Oh, physically, yeah. Wow. And then okay. that allows you to run the 100 octane race gas and, yeah. Goodness. The thing is out of this world. It's crazy. I mean, drag racing isn't really my thing necessarily, but you got to hand it to them. They... The fact that a large company like that built such a purpose-built vehicle. Yeah, that's a lot of R&D for potential. Yeah, pretty cool. Low, low payoff. I'm looking at some pictures on Google Images, and one of them, two of them, uh, they have the real skinny drag wheels on yeah. the front. Yeah. That's not, that somebody put those on, right? No, so when you buy this thing, you get what's called the Demon Crate. And they literally give you a box, a crate. That's got those skinny front tires in it. It's got tools. It's got the ECUs. Um, it's got some other stuff in it. Um, yeah, no, that that oh. Dodge gives you those. <laughs> There's the Demon box. I'm looking at it. Yep. That is comes with a floor jack. <laughs> um, a giant air filter. Goodness. <laughs> and. Yeah, yeah, there's the skinny track. It's pretty silly, isn't no it? No tires. you got to go your own tires. Yeah. Now. Yeah, that's crazy. So what other, um, so not not real new, but you've got the Subaru and Toyota collab. Uh, the Oh, the BRZ, FRS? BRZ, yeah. GT86, yeah, all those. That thing's pretty dope. Yeah, that's cool. The Miata's always hanging around. It's got a facelift not too long ago. Um, just looking at your Mustang Camaro. Like, those cars used to be actual muscle cars, or pony cars, I guess. Now they're better than the BMW M3, or at least the Camaro is. Like, ten years ago, you would never say Camaro and BMW M3 in the same sentence. Right. So, and that's, so you can, I can go down to the Chevy dealership and spend, I don't know, $35,000 and have 450 horsepower. Anybody, like, that's attainable for most people. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. And dangerous. And dangerous. <laughs> it's pretty absurd. So, when I think, when I look at this drag challenger, this demon challenger, makes me also think of, and the fact that you can, you know, legally drive this thing on the road probably yeah. with the, the crazy ecu in it right um well or is the mapping all that's why i believe they had to do the two ecus is because in that mode technically it's not legal it. obviously Got if it. i own this demon yeah i'm never taking the non-drag <laughs> thing out or other way around i'm leaving the drag one in all the time and nobody's going to be able to check that nope. so, but to legally sell it as a a uh, road legal vehicle they have that's why they had to do the two separate ECUs. Yeah. And how much does this thing go for? Oh uh, like eighty five I think. Oh wow. That's not a lot. Relatively no. speaking. Relatively speaking, no. Um so what I was gonna say was you have these things running around, you've got this younger brother or older brother I suppose at this point, uh, the Hellcat, which is 
was the previous version of this, I guess. This is the logical conclusion. Yeah, it only has 707 horsepower. <laughs> only. Only. And then over in the motorcycle world, you've got, I mean, for 15, 20 grand, you can, I mean, 15 will buy you a, a brand new but older model. Uh, 20 grand will buy the brand new one. But you can get a 1,000cc motorcycle, which isn't a giant engine, but these things put out 200 horsepower now. Or, or close to it, um, the Kawasaki H2, which is a supercharged superbike, has an aerodynamic package. Like, it has wings on it. Yeah, really? Um, yep, from the factory. What is it? Uh, Say it Kawasaki, again. Kawasaki Ninja H2. Oh, I have heard of this. So, it it's got a supercharger on it, which Kawasaki custom-built for the bike. It's a proprietary supercharger. Jesus Christ. And... Um, yeah, that, so that thing makes over 200 horsepower. Holy you can go shit. buy that and run around on the street with it. And then you can go find somebody driving a Challenger Demon and race them on the street. Dude, this thing looks out of control. It's out of control. The Whoa. H2R actually is the crazy one. Sorry. You type in H2R. So the front end of this motorcycle is designed to keep the front end down. The, the, aero, the aerodynamics of the front end have those angular wings and, and different yeah. points of contact. Those little canards on it and stuff. And... To, to, as a form of wheelie control. And they use that in MotoGP as well. The Ducatis in MotoGP have some ridiculous wing structures. Um, and it works. They go, they go markedly quicker around the, around the track. I don't think I'd ever buy it because that rear wheel's pretty ugly. The star. <laughs> I'm just I'd kidding. Like, but yeah, it is kind of ugly, but let's be real. That's I'd, not what you're buying it for. I'd rip that thing around. I do like the rear wheel in the sense that um, they've managed to make the overall profile of the back so minimal. Like the actual, the rear wheel is almost just a rear wheel. Yeah. That's true. So aesthetically, that's... Is it a belt? Is it a chain? No, it's a chain on the left-hand side. Strong-ass chain. So I've seen one of these in person a few times. It's at my local store. Mm. Um, I've never heard it started, though. Um, But in person, it's... Now, is this... Are we talking like a Hayabusa, where it's a straight-line machine, or is this thing turn? This thing turns. Yeah. Fuck it's yeah. definitely heavier than your average sport bike, so it, just it is because of how much cooling bit. it needs. <laughs> that too, the supercharger's heavy, um, so it definitely suffers a little bit. But it is not like the Hayabusa's versus the Yamaha R1, mm-hmm. let's say, which was mm-hmm. a purpose. Sport. You know, the Hayabusa's definitely had had turning, not issues, but you know, they just weren't as sharp. Yeah, they had a longer wheelbase for sure. Right. And now how much power is the modern MotoGP making? Modern MotoGP, they say, uh, is probably around 260, maybe 280. Mm-hmm. Through a contact patch of the tire that's <laughs> roughly the size of a credit card. Uh, <laughs> it almost doesn't make sense. It almost doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, they... They've gotten to the point where, like, you know, they they spin they they spin the rear wheel to turn the rear end and point it mm-hmm. coming out of the corner. Mm-hmm. 
and that's you know they just got power to spare. Two wheel steering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 absurd. <sighs> All right. Do you think we should uh, sign off for now? Leave yeah, it at that right for on. now. I mean, that's a solid hour and almost ten minutes. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Good start. All right, I'm gonna go ahead.